0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: I'm Lou Bank. And I am Future Java. And the... Wait, you're Future Java?
2: Yes, and I've come with a dire warning.
1: Oh, dire warnings are so foreboding and
2: scary. When I come from, the slick storks have taken over Heritage Radio Network. There is no more food radio, or they talk about our no annuities and diminishing marginal utility. Oh, sleaze
1: storks, that's so scary, future Chava. Is there any hope? Yes, Jovenlu, you.
2: You are the hope for the future of food radio.
1: Oh, that is a mighty burden, future Chava, and one I am not sure that I can shoulder.
2: It is one that you must shoulder, Lu. You must lead your generation into a future without annuity-obsessed slick storks. But... How do I do that, future Chava? Donors. You must find donors. Any kind of donors? Any donors are good, but monthly sustaining members. Those are the ones that will ensure that phrases like deferral periods and valuation calculations do not dominate the Heritage Radio Network airwaves.
1: The burden is mighty, future Chava, but you inspire me. And maybe, just maybe, you've inspired our listeners. If you're an inspired road tripper, become a monthly sustaining member at heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. That's org slash donate.
2: Now, if you'll excuse me, Hoven Lou, I have to go record an episode
1: of Excel Spreadsheet Road Trip. Excel Spreadsheet Road Trip, out! Monstruo de Agua Theater was taped before a live audience, or at least they were live when we started taping.
3: Thank you for meeting me, Lou, and how busy you are.
1: Oh, hey, my, well, I'm happy to come to a bar to meet any god or demigod associated with the cultures of Central Mexico in the post-classic era of pre-Columbian Mesoamerican theology, especially when they say they're buying. So, agave spirits, I'm guessing? Actually, we're here about a beer. A beer? The goddess of McGay wants a beer? Is that your version of a cleanse?
3: Is that what passes for humor among you mortals now?
1: Well, Chava would say no, but...
3: Oh, Chava, do not speak to me about that infidel.
1: What's wrong with Chava? Don't get me started. Oh, I get it. Look, don't take it personally. If you were the god of videography, then he'd be interested in
3: (laughs) I, I don't understand what that means, but no, my problem with Chava is... I think he's connected to this neotenic salamander who's causing me such trouble.
1: You've got salamander troubles?
3: It's why I've come to Chicago to meet you. I don't get it. There's this salamander, ajolotl. And he's making a line of beers in Mexico City, called Monstro de Agua.
1: Okay, and?
3: And he has made the beer using agave. Not cooked agave, mind you, but the agua miel. The unfermented sap from the agave.
1: Oh, that's the stuff that ferments into pulque. Yes, that. I, okay, so I don't get it, my well. What's the problem? What am I the god of? Agave. So what? You're upset this salamander didn't ask permission?
3: I'm upset that it's good. <laughs> this monstruo de agua is making a beer, a blanca de maguey beer, where 30% of the fermentable sugars come from my agave children. Have they not suffered enough? Making all that tequila and mezcal for you gringos? Now, you harvest them for yet another indulgence?
1: Wait, 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 wait. Okay, so you're upset that Monstruo de Agua Blanca de Maguey is a delicious beer using the fermentable sugars from the uncooked agave because everyone will want to drink it and that just means more work from your agaves? I kind of get that, but... How does Chava fit into all this?
3: Ajolotol is making the most of the agua de maguey beer in Mexico City. Chava is also in Mexico City.
1: Yeah, along with 24 million other people.
3: Those 24 million other people did not co-host the most influential and, might I add, I've heard a winning podcast about agave, a spirit and rural Mexico.
1: <laughs> so, thank you for that. So, you think anything related to agave coming out of Mexico City must have something to do with chop.
3: Let me put it this way. At the very least, he isn't doing anything to stop it.
1: Well... Okay, so you are worried that when the world discovers Monstruo de Agua Blanca de Maguey beer, the rush to buy it will overwhelm your agave children. And you want Chava to somehow stop that from happening?
3: No, Gringo, I want you to stop that from happening. I just think Chava is part of the problem. He's by far the smartest of the Galroacher hosts. But you, Luke are the most devious.
1: Well, no promises, Maya Well, but let me see what I can do. Maybe, just maybe, there's some way for me to ensure no one ever finds out how delicious Monstruo de Agua's Blanca de Maguey beer is and how it's made... From 30% fermentable sugars from the uncooked agave. I'll see if there's some way to ensure no one ever finds that out, okay? Yes, mortal. Do that. You got it, Maya Well. Now, what are we drinking? (laughs) Tune in next week for the next chapter of Monstruo de Agua Blanca de Maguey Theater or get updates online on our website at MonstruoDeAgua.com. In the meantime, strap yourself in for another episode of Agave Road Trip. This episode of Agave Road Trip is brought to you in part by Sacred. SACRED is a USA-based 501c3 not-for-profit that improves quality of life in the rural Mexican communities where heritage agave spirits are made. Since incorporating in 2017 with support from donors just like you, we've been able to provide more than 32,000 tobala agave seedlings to families in Oaxaca who are finding it harder and harder to access the plants that enable them to carry on their cultural traditions. We've helped to build libraries to support literacy and rain harvest systems to mitigate water insecurity. When the pandemic interrupted tourist dollars in Oaxaca, we helped bring food to more than 500 families. And when the earthquakes hit in 2017, we helped rebuild the damaged home of a mescalero. All of that, mind you, was possible because of the support of agave enthusiasts like you, people who drink mezcal, tequila, ricea, Bacanora and other destilados de Agave, people who want to support the families who have been stewards of this cultural heritage for multiple generations, hundreds of years. People like you who recognize the value of this different approach to the world, this approach that we believe can offer different solutions to the problems that we face globally. If you're one of those people, if you're one of our people, please join us at Sacred. We've just launched a campaign to help build three nurseries and greenhouses in rural Jalisco. These projects will grow from seed, four varieties of agave, and three varieties of trees, all of which are at risk of extinction as a result of the explosive growth of tequila and the introduction of a denomination of origin for ricea. If you want to help us preserve agave spirits, if you want to help us preserve rural Mexico, please visit sacred.mx. At sacred.mx, you can learn about our Replanting Jalisco program and other programs. If you believe in what we are doing, I hope you'll join by making a tax-deductible donation. Visit sacred.mx and join your fellow agave enthusiasts by making a tax-deductible contribution. That's sacred.mx. I am Lou Bank. I am Chava Perivan. And this here is Agave Road Trip, the podcast, award-winning podcast that helps gringo bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits, rural Mexico. Today, Chava, we're going to talk about rural California. Is there such a thing as rural California? Yeah, uh, California no is really big. There's only a handful of cities. Oh, really? It's yeah. not all LA it's not all <laughs> <I'm> LA <kidding. laughs> no i mean LA's trying to make it all LA but it's not all LA no what we're going to talk about what we're going to talk about is they are making mescal in California well wait, wait, wait. Yeah? i i think you mean agave spirits well of course isn't the same thing Shava? well no uh <laughs> turns out which is
4: actually it's a fascinating thing that we're going to revisit sometime soon uh but Mezcal is a denomination of origin <laughs> really and, uh, yes it happens to be so so it is restricted to certain geographical areas uh certain states in Mexico certain municipalities and so you can't even make it in everywhere in Mexico Oh no not in the Yucatan not in uh Estado de Mexico Well wait a minute not but in you Veracruz you can't make it Oh People do it do agave spirits in those places but they can't call it mescal they
1: cannot use the word mescal in their, on their labels okay so we've got this uh, we got this friend Craig who's in California who yeah. started this project years ago growing agave in California well, well Spe- but the
4: agave was there already
1: Oh, but he's planted since then. Yeah, yeah,
4: but he, he saw
1: agave there and now he planted more. Right, right. Okay. And so his dream was supplying agave to spirits brands in the USA so that they could make agave spirits using source material that wasn't just pre-processed agave syrup, agave nectar. Yeah,
4: yeah, Because, but you have to explain that a little bit. The the people okay. that are used, used, making tequila or mezcal or agave spirits in the US, they usually import... Nectar,
1: like like disgusting extracted oh, nectar. It's not disgusting. I, I like, like it just fine.
4: Yeah, but they're they're what getting a syrup
1: that's been made from the processed sugars of the agave. Correct, yeah. and he wanted them to be able to access fresh, beautiful agave. Right, so he started uh, started growing it, and now he's done a couple of production runs with a couple of different spirits companies where they've cooked the agave underground in a stone lined earth really? oven. Yeah, dude. Wow, he's doing it right, and uh, and and then it's been processed, you know, open air fermentation, done all that stuff with spirits producers in the USA. Do you have some here in your basement? I, you know, I don't. Oddly enough, I don't have any in my basement. I've tasted some, and it's delicious. And in fact, he's just now as we're recording this. In in May of 2021. I don't know when it's going to run. Uh, but as we're recording this, um, he's finishing another cooking, and he expects that this will be a large enough cook uh, that there will be enough spirits that he can actually ship some out to me. And uh, which species is he using? I, I want to say Blue Weber, but I wouldn't swear to it. Oh. Uh, yeah, but it's, yeah, a tequilana kind of variety, Blue Weber okay, variety. Okay, interesting, yeah. interesting, interesting. Yeah. Um. So, so, the question then becomes... Like, is this cultural appropriation? Okay, so uh, actually,
4: I, I don't have a dictionary definition in front of me. But uh, again, like, you know, I'm starting to get a little bit tired of my textile comparisons. I, I swear to God, this might be the last time I do that because I, I, I think they just stop working. But in the textile context, there's this big problem of big companies like H&M, Zata, taking the patterns or the designs of communities, right, uh, using them in their, there I can use the word disgusting, in their disgusting uh, <laughs> t-shirts and not paying them one time, not giving them any recognition. To the communities that
1: developed that, the designs originally. Exactly, that yeah. took okay. centuries
4: to develop these things and not giving them anything back for, for the intellectual property. So the, the thing that everybody in the community of Texel says is like, imagine you do that with the Gucci trademark.
1: Right, right. Well, but that's also okay. So that's an intellectual property that's that's exactly so that's protected my, my, by law. Yeah,
4: and these communities, because they most of them they're in fragile third world countries. Sure, they're not. They don't have the means to do they're that. Not
1: registering international trademarks exactly,
4: and, yeah. and they can be appropriated without getting proper uh, payment for their for their property for their right. cultural property. Right. I think. At least in a very strict way, that's Mm -hmm. how I will define cultural appropriation. You're taking something you don't own from a culture, you're making money out of it, and you're not giving any money back to
1: that community. Okay, so then if, so Craig, since what Craig is doing is he's mirroring what they're doing down there, is he? it's a process. What he's doing is he's, he's mirroring a process that's existed for hundreds
4: of years. But is he using the same equipment? Is he using the same recipes? Uh well yeah kind of did he like how like like is he using the same steels did he go back the
1: same steels you mean literally the same yeah steals? yeah like no, the,
4: no 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 he's he's doing his is he like he's using agave yes, that that, that agave. grew in different conditions yeah therefore it's gonna have a different flavor yeah, that's profile true. yeah
1: sure because we hear that even within Mexico yep. exactly so agricultural practice already different
4: yeah yep. uh, he's fermenting in some sort of tanks. But I'm pretty sure he's not using the same wood and the same capacities and oh, shape it's geometries, be different
1: yeast, and, different yeah, yeast yeah, correct? Yeah, yeah. And
4: then he's using. I'm absolutely, completely sure he's using different alembic designs because I'm sure, sure you cannot yeah. find the same one here. And yeah. probably he's using steam instead of direct fire to distill them. Probably, I would and guess. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he's not mimicking the the temperature curve that any of these producers use, or he's not direct. Even if he wanted to mimic that. There will be differences. So okay, so the, the name of his project
1: is Mess California. Okay. Which fun. <laughs> right? I like it. I, 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 I love like that. it. I love yeah, it. yeah. But it feels to me like that's also just just begging for a a legal fight from the from the Mexican government. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah, but, yeah. Like that's fine. Okay. So so we're fine with that. I, I'm actually more than fine with that. I love the idea, frankly.
4: But well, well, Why wouldn't we would be fine with that? For cultural appropriation
1: purposes? Or uh... I just wanted to have the conversation with you because I, I feel like <laughs> you and I may agree on stuff, but that doesn't mean that everybody listening understands <laughs> okay, the situation. Okay, okay. So Anyway, so then there's this other project going on in Texas um, where this producer is creating a Sotal, mm-hmm. calling it Sotal, mm-hmm. um, and then is also – telling a story about how so tall is ingrained in the history of the state of Texas.
4: Okay, this might be shocking for you. Yeah. Don't fall down. Yeah. But uh I believe a good portion of the United States used to belong to Mexico.
1: Oh, what, some of the best portions of the United States. Not that long ago. Sure, fair. <laughs> sure. So in I'll the like... <laughs> in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, 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 well,
4: not even the grand scheme of things. Like in in, in the like not not that long ago, scheme of things, but uh <laughs> <laughs> but uh so a lot of like in Mezcal world, not that long, not that long ago, so I'm pretty sure a lot of the traditions the that that supported and created the Agavit spirits that we love that happened hundreds of years ago were there before the u s claimed possession of these territories,
1: hmm. Okay so but this kind of goes back then to, okay so so tall is a denomination of origin yeah in Mexico yeah. that's not recognized by the US it's not recognized by the US <laughs> no it's not recognized uh, by the US fun kids. okay well it, uh, no D.O. is really recognized at an international level by the US it's all individual treaties um so while they recognize mescal that's that's a that's a treaty with Mexico that's tied I'm sure to something like bourbon all
4: Right. All okay
1: right. But so tall, they're they're not recognizing. So the fact that you've got these guys producing what they're calling Texas so tall, the, the U.S. isn't going to allow for any kind of um, uh, legal ramifications from the Mexican government, at least right now, against these guys in Texas. Yeah, but I think that's just going to be well. That's going to serve very well. That's a in Mexico. If but, you ask. but but my point here is okay. So if I live in and we've seen this right, if I live in Oaxaca. And I am using Desilirion to make a spirit. I can't call it Sotol. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm now in Texas saying I've got this history of Sotol. Mm-hmm. And well, a probably your family doesn't, your land doesn't. Um, are you are you are you doing something? Maybe it's not cultural appropriation, but are you changing a narrative that actually is an historic narrative? In places like Chihuahua, where they've been making so tall consistently for hundreds of years, oh, this does get a little bit more complicated, actually. Yeah, yeah. This this yeah. One, this is more of and,
4: a and curveball.
1: To be, to be clear, I I'd love to taste the stuff from Texas. Yeah, and I don't even have a problem with them making it or even using the word so tall. I love that, but I like I'm yeah I'm uncomfortable with the way they
4: tell their story. Again, also, you're talking about an area that it's very poorly documented well it's 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 bizarre because a lot of the cultures of this geographic area were not like in the center of mexico where where you have very big cities with a lot of documentation, a lot of archaeological sites that you can do very careful studies of what they were doing, how they were doing with blah a lot of these cultures on the on the on the north, they were not sedentary. they were they were nomad kids. And even if they constructed, they didn't construct a lot. The the messages are 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 less clear of yeah. of, of, of stuff. I, I, I spent some time doing a little bit of research for that, for some crazy grant we were supposed to write that we didn't, you and <laughs> I and Roy. We haven't yet. We haven't yet. <laughs> we're going a million dollars to make this podcast that that is happening soon <laughs> and it is very fascinating to to read a lot of that and actually i think it's a, like to connect this with our quote and and because it's going to i think it's going to make all the sense we do have a quote from from the D, one of the diaz from brothers rob, rob
1: diaz of diaz brothers agave N- not to be confused with the ufc fighters uh <laughs> <laughs> no definitely not okay so let's let's run rob's quote which i think is a, a really pertinent point here
0: so agaves migrate agaves can can move and with with the the way that the world changes whether you look at things by climate the way the world is warming up the way that you see the you know moving further north and further north uh plants move plants have their own lives plants have their minds of their own uh, if a plant is grown in one place it doesn't mean it can't survive and thrive somewhere else uh just because you're planted somewhere originally doesn't mean you can't move or migrate. Uh, my family came from Aguascalientes. We migrated to Rock Island, Illinois. Uh, that's where my whole family's from. So it doesn't mean that just because you have roots somewhere, you can't pull those roots up and still honor the past by honoring the uh, ingredients or things that came from there.
1: So I love this quote from Rob, because to me it speaks to to what I think is really really important. I think it speaks to the fact that you know land isn't important to me. Place isn't important to me. Mm, I think such it's aggressive. I know. <laughs> I think it's interesting, but I think it's interesting because of what people do with it. And you know to to get back to that idea that you know the Texas so tall story does still bother me because I I don't see a continuation of tradition there, but if 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 I'm someone who grew up in Chihuahua with a history of making so for generations and I I find opportunity to move to Texas and I'm working in a dis- distillery making whiskey. And suddenly they point out to me, look at this property covered in so tall, 20 miles from here. What do you think? Should we make some so tall? If that's the story, why can't that person do that? Why can't it be tied? And I also, like, I, well. What? Why, well, I, like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to argue against myself here. But, oh, well. Right. <laughs> One man show, Lubank. <laughs> well, but, but then I also am uncomfortable saying if you've never, if you don't have a history of making it, you shouldn't be able to make it. Like, cause I, like, you have to let new people in or a tradition's going to die out. Well, I think it's very connected to the
4: to, to the story of contemporary art. No, like, like <laughs> sure, if, you, if, you, if you if you want to paint and you are wherever you are, you're going to be able to do that, and and like new things are going to happen because kids that were not so involved with, a, with with a specific technique decided to get involved with it and interpret it in different ways. And talking about migration, one of these articles that I was reading, they even mentioned that some of the populations in the north, because they moved a lot they will carry the agaves with them. Huh. They will carry baby agaves with them when they were moving from one place to the other because one of the, one of the important sources of food that they had was cooked agave hearts. So they they, they were eating They wanted to make sure that they had food Wherever they were going Exactly, and they probably had preferences for certain agaves The level of sweetness They probably were making fermented drinks out of that So it was one of the It was a very important source of drink and food And even medicine and textiles for the leaves And all textiles And all that kind of stuff (laughs) So I You know, it's And it's not by accident that agave is an international plant Sure so sure. there's agave and, in South
1: Africa where there's a project called Leonista. Leonista. And they're making beautiful spirits. There are a couple of projects out of Australia where they're making beautiful spirits out of agave. France. France, <laughs> the, yeah. The south of France has agaves. Uh, Ecuador,
4: Bolivia. It's. I mean, we've been, in one of the interviews we had with Ivan Saldana, he said that he's really waiting for the moment where people realize that agave is an international plant. And that can be interpreted by a number of different cultures and a number of different technologies and a number of different environments. And that's just going to make this category, it's already crazy diverse. It's already the most diverse category in spirits in the
1: planet. And it's just about to explode. Yeah, I hope so. Okay, so so do, do we have a conclusion? I think we have a conclusion to this one, actually. Well, like, yes, we welcome you all. Yeah, yeah, I very much I very much wanna taste everybody's agave spirits everywhere. Very much want to. And I frankly would love them to be called mezcal. But that's not gonna happen because that bullet's already left the chamber. Yeah. Okay. Sorry Lou. Okay. <laughs> that's a wrap, Chava. Adios. Hasta pronto.
4: This has been Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps Gringo Bartenders learn about agave spirits. Your hosts are Lou Bank and Chava Periban. Sound engineering by Roy Sierra. Theme song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Marc Rico. Sign up to become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at gavirroadtrip.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know. And if you hated it, recommend it to your enemies. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Lou is in charge of our social media. So if he happens to sound like an old man, forgive him. He is one. Agave Road Trip is a production of 10 Angry Pitbulls, Inc.
1: Agave Road Trip is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. To subscribe to the Heritage Radio Network newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with Heritage Radio Network on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find Heritage Radio Network at facebook.com slash network.